Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Wasn't that awesome to see all the kids and the children's leaders helping out? I tell you what. It, it was really awesome. We, uh, the staff came up with this idea for Candy Palooza uh, a little while ago. It was, you know, a little while ago. And uh, we saw how well it was fitting in with the idea of Hope at the Movies and how it all comes together and it all connects. And so I am so thrilled that we had this opportunity to do this and to have the sweet fun, the frivolity. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit, actually the whole service for this message today, we're going to talk about the connections, about how all this fits together. And I want to start by just letting everyone know that Halloween is Tuesday. Did you know that? You might have thought that it was like the week after Easter based on when all the decorations started popping up at uh, Michael's and Hobby Lobby and Walmart and things like that, but it actually is this Tuesday. Now I'm going to confess, I am not a big fan of Halloween. Never really have been. Now, when I was a little kid, I loved the idea of the costumes, and I am from that era of the plastic smock-like costumes and the, uh, those terrible-looking plastic masks with the single elastic band in the back that smell very unique and distinct. Uh, my parents would take us on our annual pilgrimage to the Stop and Go over Lithia Springs to pick out our costume, except for one year, uh, which was the year right after the Ghostbusters movie came out. And that is the uh, preeminent memory of Halloween that I have because my parents made me uh, as close to an authentic Ghostbusters costume as we could muster with the jumpsuit. And my dad took an old canister vacuum cleaner and put straps on it. And they decorated it and painted it up and stuff. And as I was able to walk through uh, our neighborhood and we went trick-or-treating with some friends with this vacuum cleaner on my back and this Ghostbuster outfit. And I felt like I was king of the ball. It's amazing what a little costume like that can do for just the fun and the frivolity. And that's always been my experience with Halloween. I do not like scary things. I've never been into horror movies. Uh, I don't like haunted houses. Uh, I can remember going to some when I was a kid, having friends. I mean, even the, uh, as Charlie Brown would have referenced her, the cute little redheaded girl tried to get me to go to some, uh, go to some uh, haunted houses, and I, I wouldn't do it. I just didn't like it. I don't like it. But you know what? As is so often the case, when we look at things like Halloween or other holidays, so to speak, holy days, there are strong religious connections to these holidays. And I wanted to help share and shape the idea about why it is that we would do something like Candy Palooza when the world is, seems to uh, be bringing in uh, things of darkness and evil and the macabre and stuff like that, because there are very distinct connections between our Christian calendar and the rhythm of our Christian faith and what happens, what's going to happen this coming week. And so this would be a good time, if you've not done so already, to pull out your follow-along notes, if you have your Hope Church Plus app handy, 
We also insert them inside the info guide, and they are available online. I um, just added them uh, to the Facebook page a few minutes ago, um, and so you'll have access to them if you'd like. Uh, but we're going to talk today about All Hallows' Eve and All Saints. All Hallows' Eve has been uh, contracted, so to speak, to the word that we now know as Halloween. Halloween, or Ald Hall All Hallows' Eve, is the eve, the day before, much like we would celebrate Christmas Eve and the Christmas Day, to a Christian feast known as All Saints' Day. Now, All Saints' Day in the modern church is when, and we'll celebrate this next Sunday, which is why we're doing it this week to prepare us for next Sunday. This is why we have these moments that cause us to remember our loved ones who have gone on before us. And as we will do here next week, we will uh, light candles, we will ring the bells, we will do things to help us remember our loved ones who have gone on before us. And part of my experience of this is it's not just about those who passed away in the past year. And so when we light the candles next week, we will light the candles of the loved ones in our families and close to us who've gone on to be with the Lord in the past year. But we will also the floor for a time uh, for you to share other names because I think about my father who's been gone for 22 years and my grandparents have been gone for 20 something years and my daughter who's been gone for four years. I think about these loved ones and, and missing them isn't just something that ended after that one year rolled over and rolled off. And so we constantly remember those who've impacted and touched our lives greatly. And so it's important for us to remember. But I also want you to remember pieces and portions of our history that shape how it is that we celebrate even in the fun and frivolity of the rhythms and the traditions, is a better word, I guess, the traditions that we will participate in on Tuesday evening or all, all, all Hallows' Eve. It's a lot easier to say, I guess, after a sip of coffee. Let's try it, right? So I've got some notes here because I want to make sure I get it all right. But uh, All Hallows' Eve and All Saints was introduced into the church in the year 609. 609. So pretty early on in the Christian faith. And this is when the church would gather to remember those primarily who were martyred for their faith, but also to remember those who had made impact on them and helped to make them who they were. Now, in the year 835, there was a big shift because prior to the year 835, All Saints was celebrated on May 13th. And it was shifted to November 1st to coincide with a Celtic celebration known as Samhain. And it was done, as, as, many are, or as are many of the traditions that we have in some of our other holidays, to show how the presence and the power of God through Jesus Christ is preeminent over all of the other things in the world. And so if you ever wonder about how we get some of our celebrations that seem to be connected to the pagan festivals, you know, like Easter bunnies, Halloween, things like that, if you ever wonder how did we get these connections, they were very intentional as the early Christian missionaries were going into these pagan or non-Christian territories to introduce them to Jesus and feel their life for him. That's our mission statement, by the way, right? And so what we, were, what we were doing is historically in our Christian faith is that we were going to say, okay, do you have these ideas and these understandings about how this spirituality works? But let me introduce you to the one who rises above it all. And that's how we see celebrations such as Easter bunnies and Easter eggs 
and jack-o'-lanterns and things come in at a time like this because it shows how Jesus isn't just present but preeminent over all of the celebrations. This is seen in a connected way to Acts chapter 17, one of my very favorite Bible verses. I quote it all the time or at least reference it all the time where the Apostle Paul goes in and he's going into this pantheon in Greece and talking about all the other idols and things to share how Jesus is preeminent above them all. But there's this one, there's this one idol set to the unknown God. Beautiful story. And so Paul is able to go in and he's able to share and to show about how the power and the presence of Jesus is the one who they always knew was there, but they didn't have a a name or an identity for him. And so Paul shows the Greeks, that Jesus is the one who deserves the righteousness of the unknown God. And then Paul showed and shared how Jesus isn't just present, but preeminent over all of the other items and icons and things. That's exactly how it is that we are called to live our lives too. We go into people's lives and we see what they're going through, how they're, how they're fighting their battles or how they're celebrating their triumphs. And we show and share how Jesus is present and not just present, but preeminent over them all. And so this is also how we begin to see some of the traditions of Halloween coming forward. Early on in the idea that would connect with this idea of the Samhain is that that was believed it would be the time when uh, spirits who had deceased in the past year would make their transition from the physical world to the spiritual world. Some of those spirits were nasty and nefarious, as you could probably imagine. Some of them were tricksters, like one of the characters that we'll see in our clip in a little bit. And the idea was, was that these spirits, whether they were nice, nasty, nefarious, whatever, would go out into the earth for one last hurrah before they transitioned over into the spirit world. And so for some who were particularly afraid of encountering a nasty or nefarious spirit, they might wear a disguise or costume so that they could be disguised from the nasty or nefarious spirits. That's where the idea of wearing costumes came that we celebrate on Halloween. They would also carry little lights with them because they knew the the nasty and nefarious spirits didn't like lights. And that's where we get our idea of something as simple like a jack-o'-lantern. These also have developed traditionally over the course of millennia now, as we see, or almost two millennia, as we see. In uh, the 12th century, the term souling emerged, where children in Great Britain and Ireland, they would go around, particularly those who were poor and needy, would go to other families if they saw them wearing costumes or having little lanterns out to scare away the nasty, nefarious spirits. And so what the children would do is they would go and they would ask some of these people if they might have something to eat, a goodie or treat. And they would perform songs or dances or maybe tell a funny story or something, and that would be in exchange for that. Now, the nasty and nefarious ones would come in, and they would say something to the effect of, if you don't give me a treat, then I'm going to play a trick on you. And so we've inverted that, and so now it's just referred to as what? Trick-or-treating. 
And so we see our kids who are dressing up and all the great little costumes that we saw, they were uh, going back into the, the 12th century wearing these costumes to, whoop, to disguise themselves from the nasty and nefarious spirits. But what they were also doing was they were trying to find little goodies and things because they were hungry. Now, as it spread over into Scotland, it began to spread a little bit further into just the broader the broader cultural zeitgeist, as the word would say, and then in the 1800s, it made its way over here to North America, and then it no longer was just about the poor and the needy going and looking for treats because they were hungry, didn't have anything else. It was becoming a cultural festival. That was also about the time when the macabre, isn't that a great word, when the macabre began to really take over this, and we began to see more darkness and more focus on the evil spirits and the nasty and nefarious things than we saw on the light side of it. Now in Mexico and Central America, the emphasis has shifted some from All Saints Day, which is November 1st, to All Souls Day, which is November 2nd. You might have known All Souls Day by the moniker of the Day of the Dead. And so that's when, in the Day of the Dead, on November 2nd, All Souls Day, those in the Latin American cultures and the communities would come together and celebrate. But it wasn't as somber, and it wasn't focused so much on uh, the loss of loved ones. It was a celebration of family. It was a celebration of being together and remembering those who've gone before us and those who are with us now and about telling stories, and it was a feast day. And so when we look at All Saints and we look at all of the connections, we see it as oftentimes a somber day of sorrow remembering those who've gone before us but in the Latin American communities it becomes a very vibrant feast time to celebrate the power of life and love and legacy and memory and so when we celebrate our inaugural candy palooza that's what we wanted to accomplish today was to prepare us for why we do the things that we do like the little costumes and the trick-or-treating and the candies and things like that and the jack-o'-lanterns but more importantly, to help us in this rhythm of remembering our loved ones who have gone before us and celebrating who we are and who they are and who we are all, who we are all in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Rebecca mentioned, the kids downstairs are using a jack-o'-lantern this morning to talk about the process of salvation and how Christ enters our lives and brings the light and hollows out the guts and the, all the other kind of stuff. But friends, I want us to focus on remembering and the rhythms, and why it's so important. Our first Bible lesson for today that comes in this idea of remembering is from 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 12. And we see this from the Old Testament, right? It says, remember the wonderful things he, meaning God, remember the wonderful things God has done. Remember his miracles and how he judged our enemies. Remember. Remember. There's a term that I've heard recently <laughs> that really speaks to stuff that's been in my heart, mind, soul, and spirit for quite a while now. That term is recency bias. Are you familiar with that term, recency bias? Recency bias uh, is a term or a phrase that's being used right now 
that speaks to the kind of mindset that's easy for us to slip into is that we see our lives in this current condition and the current situation in which we're living, and we think that this is the worst that it's ever been, and this is what, you know, this is just awful, right? But what we are called to remember, if we look at this thing in this verse, this thing, look at this verse in First Chronicles, is even amidst the difficulties and the triumphs and the tragedies and everything in between that we go through, we need to remember the wonderful things that God has done because God is present and preeminent in and of them all. And we remember God's miracles, the places where he showed up and he showed out when we didn't see or believe that God was there or could, and how he even was present and preeminent over our enemies. This whole thing about recency bias shows us how we can get caught up in just the here and now, and we can forget about how God showed up and showed out for us in the past. And so think about your own life right now. Are you going through a time of trial, tragedy, maybe medical diagnosis, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of a friend? And it feels as though this is the worst that it's ever been. What recency bias will tell us is that we may be inclined to think that, but when we're pulled out of this into this rhythm, that our Christian calendar and year draws us into is to show us that Christ is present and preeminent. President. It'd be nice if he was president, wouldn't it? But Christ is present and preeminent over all of the things that we are going through and we're dealing with. The horrible things, the awful things, the scary things, the tragic things. Jesus is present and preeminent in them all. And we are called to remember how he was there, the wonderful things he does, the miracles that he performs, and how he shows up and shows out even against our enemies. Are you in a place or position right now where you need to remember that Jesus is present and preeminent over all the junk in your life? I know I am. In these rhythms that we have, even through something as simple as a jack-o'-lantern or a costume or a bag of candy, can help us remember that God is sweet. We can taste and see that the Lord is good metaphorically and metaphysically. We can taste and see that God is good even in the midst of the darkness and the things that pull us back. Draw us down. So if you find yourself caught up in that idea of recency bias, where you think that it's the worst right now that it's ever been, remember that God has shown up and he's shown out. God has turned dead ends into doorways. God has made it possible for all of us to experience his presence and his preeminence over all the junk and the gunk of life. Hallelujah, right? So we need to remember that. And as we remember it, we need to relay it. So we need to remember and relay. This week's message is brought to you by the letter R, if you haven't noticed. But anyway, so we, we need to remember and relay. Let's look at this next verse out of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. And we see this caution, right? But watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen, right? That's a caution against recency bias. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. And do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. Hold on to that. It's going to be present when we get into our scene from Coco in a minute. And be sure to pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. So we have this call to remember, to never forget God's miracles, God's presence, God's powers, God's preeminence. But we also are called to relay these things as we remember. One of the things that is so 
intrinsically true is that our children are especially impressionable, and we must share our stories to help shape their heritage, both in our family and in God's forever family. Look at that again. Our children are especially impressionable, and we must share our stories to help shape their heritage, both in our family and in God's forever family. I'm thinking about this a lot right now while we're in this process of adoption. And we're going to have three kids 10 years apart. Pretty unusual, right? By the time all this happens, we're going to have a a 22-year-old, a perpetually 7-year-old. That's how old Mia was when she passed away. And uh, hopefully a 1- to 2-year-old. We were finally able to get this little nugget home from Taiwan. And this past week, when Tiffany celebrated her 50th birthday, it was a time for us to really think about the memories of family. And as I thought about it, the one light, so to speak, and there are many, but the one light that really showed up for me was in Ethan. Because I can remember when Ethan was a tiny little kid and, and I would take him shopping or he would make a craft or something and, and he would do something for Tiffany and I was always involved in it. And this year, I didn't even have to remind him that it was her birthday and that it was a big one. Oh, did I say that she turned 50 this year? I wasn't supposed to say that out loud, was I? <laughs> yeah, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> you know, please don't tell her I said that out loud. She'll be upset. Anyway, but she probably is watching at home, Robert. You're right. You're right. She probably is watching at home. So, honey, I love you. Um, <laughs> this year, when I was getting ready to let Ethan know, you know, mom's birthday's coming up, he had already bought her gift. He bought her stuff before I did. Now, I'm not really a procrastinator. I have my moments, but it just gave me such light. And it wasn't something that I had to be involved with at all. And it was so perfect for her. It was a perfect gift. It was a perfect way to remember, and I saw that light in my son as he's transitioning from childhood to adulthood. And then I began to think about how these are stories that we're going to begin to share. Now, we got to be careful because sometimes the stories that we share can have this tendency to bring about shame in kids. That's one of those things I want to caution you about. To not allow them to turn into shame. Because so often, when we would get together for our big family reunions and our big family gatherings, the stories that we'd share would embarrass us. And I'm really just talking about me, right? <laughs> they would embarrass me. You know, like at Christmas time, when I would walk in and with my grandparents and my aunt and uncle would have uh, presents to the ceiling. And, I would, and after we opened them all, I'd ask, is that all? Or maybe the, uh, the stories were down at my other grandmother's house down in South Georgia. She lived on a lake, and, and, and uh, we were baiting uh, hooks with worms, and I didn't particularly like worm guts or dirt, and I was like, ooh, dirty worms, and dumped them off into the water. Uh, and I don't know how much money we wasted in red wigglers, but it was enough that it made the family mad at me, right? <laughs> and, but on the other hand, when we get together, these become the stories of our life and our heritage. And then they would begin to be told and shared, and it would shape me. And it was good to have some of those laughs, but I also felt some shame in those. We need to remember to tell stories about how the light of love and God and comfort and family comes together and helps us become more of who we are. This leads us into our clip 
from the movie Coco. Anyone here seen Coco? Pretty good movie. I like it. It's a sweet movie. It's a story of a young boy named Miguel, and he lives in a multi-generational family home. His great-grandmother, Coco, namesake of the movie, is so advanced in her years, she has essentially lost her memory and her ability to speak. And Miguel has this natural gift and tendency toward music. And Miguel comes to learn and realize that music is actually in his heritage. His great-grandfather, or great-great-grandfather as it were, was a bit of a musician himself. And against the family's wishes, went into the music business, and the family ended up casting him out. And they went, the family then went into the shoe business. It's interesting to me that there's a little vignette about making shoes and focusing in on the soul of the shoe as a metaphor, so to speak. We're speaking into the heart of what makes the family what it is, the soul, what makes you and me who we are. And Miguel takes the guitar of his great-great-grandfather to be ready to sing in the talent show and is transported to the land of the spirit, the spirit land. And there are all these adventures that he has to go through in order to get back to the land of the living. In order to get back to the land of the living, he must receive a blessing from his family. And we see these connections about the family mentality and the family experience of moving from some of those stories and experiences that brought us shame into moving us into those areas that need to be celebrated and venerated. The sweetness of light and love that unites and ties it all together. And it's a beautiful thing. And Miguel comes to learn the true heritage of his family and the true meaning of what it means to be part of that family, overcoming the shame that was experienced in the past over the idea of music and discovering the soul of who he is and the soul of their family and tying and connecting it all together. The rhythms, so to speak, of remembering and celebrating and sharing beyond the sense of shame. Friends, in this salvation motif that we are connecting these dots with this morning, you've got to remember the verse, I believe it's Romans 8.1, where it says there is no shame or no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We all have skeletons in our closet, pardon the seasonal pun, but we have a hope and the power and the presence and the preeminence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that hope draws and calls us into moments of recollection and remembering where we can share our stories. We can show how we overcome our dark secrets and those skeletons in the closet to receive the new life and new light of who Christ is and who Christ is in us. And when we receive that new life and that new lease on life, we are called to share and celebrate that with the world as we remember because that can bring recollection and memory back into our lost experience and show how Jesus is present and preeminent even in our junk and our gunk. So our clip from Coco that we're going to watch is actually the very end of the movie. It doesn't really spoil anything except to let you know that he makes it back from the spirit world into the land of the living. 
but it is all about the connection of past and present and future. As Miguel learns a very important piece of his heritage and his history. And it all centers around the call and the concept of remembering. Let's watch our clip from Coco, shall we? Those two are Oscar and Felipe. These aren't just old pictures, they're our family. And they're counting on us to remember them. But it's not the end, is it? Because we're called into these rhythms of remembrance. These rhythms of remembrance. What happened before that scene there was as Miguel made his way back into the land of the living and his great-grandmother Coco was sitting in her chair, he picked up his guitar and he began to sing that song. And what he learned through his journey was that was the song that his great-great-grandfather wrote for his daughter, his great-grandmother, or Coco. And as he sang that song about remembering, Coco came back to life. Her memories were restored, and she was able to sing along with him. And of course, as the clip indicated, in the year that passed from Miguel's adventure into the end of the movie, Coco made her own transition from the land of the living into the land of the spirits. 
Miguel was holding his baby sister as his grandmother brought the picture of the great-grandmother to share and to show the children. And Miguel had taken on that responsibility of passing on the story and history and the heritage of his family. We, my friends, are called to do the same thing. Just like our two verses from the Old Testament have indicated, we are called to remember how God showed up and showed out even in our darkness, how we brought miracles into the things that we thought were our dead ends. He breaks doorways or makes doorways. And we are called to share these with our children and with the grandchildren so that our family may know the heritage, the history of who we are, what makes us who we are, and to share the stories, and not just the stories that embarrass us, but the stories that make us who we are. Even in the midst of some of those dark and difficult times, which is why we need these rhythms of remembering. The Bible passage that I've chosen from this comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. And this is how the Apostle Paul spells out Jesus' institution of Holy Communion or the Last Supper. And we are going to celebrate Holy Communion next Sunday in our All Saints gathering and celebration. We ourselves are going to do this process that we've outlined in our message today. We're going to remember. We're going to remember and relay. And we're going to set up these rhythms of remembering. And so what we see here, the Apostle Paul is he's writing this in his first-person narrative, first-person writing, to share what it was that he also had passed on to him. Let's look at our verse. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. Darkness, right? The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. That's Jesus speaking, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So we see this rhythm of remembering where we are relaying that which we know, continuously remembering. How God showed up and showed out even in the darkness, darkest and most difficult time, Jesus' life, to bring the light that only he could share, shed, and shine with you and me. Our line for this, Jesus told the disciples to take even ordinary things like eating and drinking as cues to remember who he is and what he did for us. Jesus said take ordinary things like bread and wine or in our case juice. Take these ordinary things and remember the extraordinary things that were done for you. And so we bring this full circle. Ordinary things, like costumes, candy, pumpkins turned into jack-o'-lanterns, lights that are called to enter into the darkness and to cast it out, to ward off the nasty, the nefarious spirits, to help us focus in on the sweetness of who God is and what God did for us. 
and how we are called to remember those things. We are called to remember those things and relay those things to our loved ones, to our families, and help them to know that there is hope and there is help for those who are lost, for those who are in need, for those who just need to be reminded that God is real, God is love, and God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. How God shows up and brings his miracles to us in the midst of when we feel the least like looking for and we got to continue to remember this we all will have tough years and then next sunday as we gather and remember our loved ones who've gone on before us there'll be some tears streaming down cheeks and some lumps in the throat and that's perfectly fine it's important for us to remember the loved ones who are no longer with us but it's also imperative that we remember to share those stories that have shaped us and make us who we are. Because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. The light of the world that came into our darkness, that has overcome it, and the darkness and the evil, even when they try to hijack things like Halloween, they're left vexed by the love and the grace and the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Amen. As the band comes forward, let us pray. Almighty God, Thank you for being here for us. Thank you for reminding us over and over again how you were in the business of turning our dead ends into doorways. And help us to remember those moments, Lord, when we get caught up in recency bias about how you have shown up and shown out for us in the past. About how your miracles have been there before and are with us still. And yes, there may be times when we need to look back and see with a new, freshly found perspective about what it is that you've done for us and who you are in us. And so, Lord God, help us to take those memories and relay them to others who may be going through difficult times right now and help them to see that you are still a God that shows up and shows out for us in our worst and most darkest times. Because, Lord, that's exactly what you did here on earth when you walked among the earth. And that night in which you were betrayed, you took something ordinary like bread and juice and showed us how you show up and show out for all of it. And so help us to take ordinary, simple things like bread and juice or candy and costumes to remember that you are the one who created this world and everything in it. And you recreate us into a whole brand new creation. We put our hope and our trust in you. So as we find these rhythms that are calling us to remember today, I pray, Lord God, that maybe there's a heart, mind, or soul today that is taking in a whole brand new lease on life, that is hearing a piece and a part of our long-term spiritual story where you are constantly creating and recreating within us this new life and new hope that you wish to bestow upon us. And so, Lord God, help us in all ways and all things to remember, to share what we remember, and to continue in those rhythms of remembering that we may let the world know that you are real, that you love us, and you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. For it's in the name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.